is my heartfelt intention and prayer to serve as an open channel as a as an embodied structured open channel for unconditional love so that what is said here to be heard here and elsewhere may open hearts expand minds and facilitate interconnectedness among the infinite facets of the one self, the one system that we are all blessed to be a part of and play in and with. A system that we have the potential to create in to the degree that we allow ourselves to. And a lot of what I am desiring to share today centers around resilience, beauty, and creating, and specifically creating what we want, what we desire. So many of us spend so much time creating what we do not desire. And I... I want for every... every individual, every interdependent incarnation to feel fervent commitment to creating what you desire, what you authentically from your heart, from your core desire. And I've found through my own process that when I am experiencing life with that lens, increasingly so, that I am gradually, increasingly brought closer to 
giving full permission somatically from my body, from through my emotions, through my mind, to everyone else <laughs> doing just what they want. It's, it's really this just amazing, miraculous even, like beautiful, beautiful experience to feel so at peace with oneself, to feel so ecstatic about how I'm living my life. How is Rose? What is it to be rosy? <laughs> what what does Rosie want? What does Rosie want? And sifting through that and peeling away the layers and healing what isn't serving anymore and doing the inner work and also not being so caught up in the inner work and, and all of that that esoteric journey. That self-reflective, self-reflective, the transpersonal, the awareness of the quantum field. All of those concepts merging to allow us as human beings to actualize our divinity. <laughs> and in that we in giving ourselves that freedom and liberation, we automatically give it to other people more and more gradually. We give it to other people. We give it to the plants and the trees and the other animals. And that doesn't mean that we all play the same role. It's not my job to be a tree or to know what the tree wants. It's my job to be rosy. <laughs> and what and what more thrilling of an experience could any of us ask for other than the experience of being fully ourselves to the degree that any of us feel jealous of another you can have that too to the degree that any of us feel longing for something that we are not present with you can have that too to the degree that any of us are feeling sad, there is truth in that. You are allowed to feel that. To the degree that any of us are feeling angry, bitter, resentful, there is truth in those feelings. And while the discomfort, while the uncomfort isn't a goal. It is a powerful fuel for transformation to the degree that we allow it to be. To the degree that I can open myself to experiencing my honest discomfort, I can see more clearly through it to understand what it is about my life that is creating that discomfort. What is it about how I am choosing to live my life that is creating that discomfort? 
and it's it's a huge experiment to me it's it's always a series of of uh, observations hypotheses experiments and collecting data and over time I've had the pleasure of constructing a more harmonious understanding of how it is for me how is it to be rosy and <laughs> with that has come the pleasures and the discomforts of understanding of knowing that no one else is here to be rosy and I'm not here to be anyone else. In fact, it's my uniqueness. It is the most rosy of the rosiness that feeds those around me, that feeds what's around me. I arrived here from a long and seemingly complex and sometimes arduous journey. And I arrived here because of a learning that I was offered, that I accepted, that I offered to myself, that I accepted from myself, that I continue to offer to myself. That beauty can be felt, seen, heard, known in every moment. And for me, that started, that learning started in the moments that were filled with the most pain. I had a mentor some years ago who expressed that to me, that, that she could find the moment when she could feel beauty in the pain. It blew my mind. It was like... <laughs> And I have reaped so much fruit from integrating that awareness into my life, including gradually experiencing more and more and more beauty, more and more ecstasy, more permission to feel those things. It's, it, it is still mind-blowing to me how many of us push away what we want, push away our desires, push away our <laughs> what our longings what we're longing for <laughs> push away a greater vision of ourselves for all kinds of reasons and i would say essentially one emotion which is fear fear of how that would be to be so great
your greatness. Helps other people give themselves permission to be great. My greatness helps give other people permission for them to show their greatness. The well-known quote by Marianne Williamson comes to mind. It's one of, one of my favorites. <laughs> one of my favorites from years past. Our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And so many of us are so immersed in our darkness, in the darkness, in the shadow of the world, which is essentially a perspective that similar to mm, mm, osmosis is the, is the word I'm going to go with, and, and carries itself from person to person, from generation to generation in this numbing, deafening, suppressive cycle. And as we're experiencing a point in the human journey in which more and more of us are stepping up to say, I can know myself more deeply than this. I will know myself more deeply than this. I do know myself more deeply than this. I am who I am. And that is the path that I will walk. That is the path I am on, that I am walking. And as we do that and we deeply embrace ourselves and we start to understand the extremities of our unique natures, it's, it's medicine in our relationships. It's medicine in our ability to support others being their own unique selves because we start to realize what a gift that is firsthand we realize what a gift it is firsthand and once once someone has experienced those gifts when someone is on the journey on the path of experiencing the fruit that comes from embracing oneself fully <laughs> That inner experience organically transmutes through the letting go of self-shame, of self-judgment, of self-guilt. All of these experiences that we often project onto others, that we were taught by others, and yet they have become so ingrained in ourselves that we perpetuate them. No one else. 
us as individuals, we perpetuate these things that are holding us back in our bodies, in our emotions, in the environments that we choose. And as we start to understand the blessings of our uniqueness, of our beauty, and, and to embrace to embrace ourselves more fully, to choose life, to choose to live a life that, that opens us up to that beautiful uniqueness. It organically strips away the self-judgment, the self-shame, the self-guilt, in a way that also strips those feelings, those emotional experiences, from our relationships with other people. And so this looks like experiencing relationships that are more supportive of the authentic you. This also looks like not giving as much attention or energy to how other people feel about you, what they're thinking about you. And as we build these pockets of greater coherence, of higher coherence, of a more refined way of being, of, of loving, a more refined way of loving, a way that's more and more unconditional, more open, more true, true from, from the inside of each of us with ourselves as our, our individual selves as our sole authority to the <laughs> to the degree that our messy human journey allows it. There's so much nuance. As these pockets of coherence are created and blossom and spread and connect. we will continue to see more and more change, more and more variety in our human experience, a reorganization of community, and greater levels of ecstasy and peace. And it all starts inside. How much peace and ecstasy am I experiencing today? Because that's the level that I can, I can show up with in my relationship with anyone else. This is part two of episode one, and we're talking about the process of learning to embrace and trust ourselves as divine incarnations. This employs an understanding that 
though we all experience infinitely subjective human lives, that we are all bonded, interconnected parts of a oneness, a single system, if it helps to think about it that way, that <laughs> a system that overflows when each of its parts is at its best. Okay, so what does it mean to be, to be at one's best? I'll drop here the term enlightened self-interest. And this is a term uh, from evolutionary biology. Enlightened self-interest lends a lens to being that suggests that what I want as best for myself, what I authentically truly want as best for myself when I am operating from a place of knowing myself, of wisdom, of self-intelligence, having a a healthy and a full and a loving self-concept. The idea of enlightened self-interest is that the whole will, the whole, the whole of us, our system, our, our cosmic dance will ultimately be most benefited, most benefited, by each of the individual incarnations of the divine fully embracing what it is that they feel they are, they are here, here to do, how they are here to be, fully embracing whatever path it is that each of us is on. Letting go of the need, the perceived need to be what anyone else wants or be some way for anyone else and finding strength, finding structure, finding solidity in being exactly who we are. However that is, however you are, however I am, being how we are. And there is a concept in, in, the, in one of the, the hardest, per se, of sciences. There is a concept that says, when we embrace this enlightened self-interest, that we are not only radically benefiting ourselves, we are infinitely benefiting the whole. One of the most potent reasons for this is that 
when I give myself that permission, the way that I am being in life automatically helps others <laughs> give themselves their own permission to be however they are. We have been so turned away over the most recent human time period. We've been so turned away from trusting our, our own authority, our own sovereignty. We've been turned away from trusting our emotions. We've been turned away from, in some instances, from trusting our, our minds and our spirits. And what I, what, what is, what is infinitely pleasurable for me to invite myself, you, all of us, <laughs> to turn towards is trusting ourselves. Trust yourself. Wherever you're at, trust yourself. <laughs> trust your ability to discern Trust your ability to navigate life. If this is, if this feels threatening to you, notice that. Notice a, a resistance or a block to that deeper self-trust. Maybe invite some curiosity in about that. Why is it that I turn away from trusting myself more deeply? Why is it that I turn away from trusting others so deeply? Why is it that I turn away from deeper self-love? And why is it that I turn away from loving everything that I perceive to be outside of me more deeply? And when we allow ourselves to notice, notice that resistance when it's there, because it will uh, almost inevitab inevitably be there. And that's okay. It's totally okay. That's, that is the richest, though, well, for me, those have been the richest places for me to explore. What is here? What is preventing me from that which I feel called to. In my experience, and you are welcome always to <laughs> take what you can and leave the rest from my experience. I always desire for you to be you and for me to be me. And for there to be love in the honoring of what is true for each of us. Equally. I have dug through 
layer after layer of shame, resentment, anger, guilt, sadness, grief, emotional layers that I could easily understand where they came from in my own life, emotional layers that felt so not me that I accepted them as generational trauma, as feeling the emotions of of something not me, something outside of me, something happening in the world. I have found such fruit, such fruit, gold, (laughs) gold, at the end of those tunnels. Everyone that I know who has done any of that work understands how that is. And it is infinitely miraculous to me that we can all have such a common experience inside in a way that, in a place, in a way that gradually others cannot reach us. Because this is the place where we understand how unique we are. This is the place where I understand, wow, no one's ever going to be like me. No one's ever going to be like me. I I get to be rosy. I get to be this infinitely complex and and yet so simple in the sense of term of unconditional love. I get to be this particular facet of God. I get to be this this side of the disco ball. And you get to be yours. And the, the shared experiences of discovering ourselves in that way and then connecting to others who are also experiencing that kind of self-discovery. I don't have words. I don't have words for that. If we were sitting together in person, if this was a one-on-one conversation, maybe I would feel into that more. Maybe I would feel that feeling so much that it would bring tears of joy to my eyes. Maybe I would start singing. Maybe I would, maybe I would hold your hand. Because those are the ways that I've found limited though they may seem in the material form those are the ways those those creative feminine soft ways the subtle the very subtle those are the ways that i've found that we can reach across the perceived gap of separation the illusion of separation that we that we live in that we're experiencing that we play in every day (laughs) of all the ways that I could live life of all the ways that I could be rosy (laughs) why why would I not choose to live the most ecstatic, joyful, abundant, powerful, loving, open, expansive life. 
that I can imagine, that I can dream, that I can envision, that I can create. <laughs> that is what I desire. And I'm going to suggest that it's what everyone desires in their core. Whether they know that or not, whether they've had that supported in their life, whether or not they've even been exposed to that kind of idea, that kind of thinking. I, I trust that there is something in the core, in the heart of each of us that yearns to actualize our divinity. And that looks infinitely different for each of us. In the learning to distrust and push away and repress and not feel our feelings, our emotions, both our emotional sensations and the sensations of our body, pain and pleasure. In that, in that learning, uh, most of us cut off the idea that, at least I did, I did this, that desire could be a pure motivating force. I became entrenched in understandings that to trust my desire, to trust my intuition, to trust my feelings, not, not big emotional waves i mean i mean feelings how i feel getting in touch with with my gut which with my instincts with my body to be able to understand and interpret her in a way that is honest <laughs> and in getting so disconnected from from that kind of trust, from that kind of self-love, self-embracing, embracing of inner knowing, embracing of feeling. I created many stories around why that wasn't safe, why it wasn't safe for me to trust myself that deeply. I created stories largely about the ah the mm, evil is a strong word here mischievous is a little too light the the untrustworthiness <laughs> i had a lot of stories about the the untrustworthiness of my feelings of my emotions the idea that they couldn't be they couldn't be trusted they were flippant and for little to no reason, they, they weren't reasonable. Meanwhile, a lot of stories were created about the, the validity of the mind and the intellect and how reliable it is as a motivating force. And what I've been blessed, pleasured, gratified to understand, to know, as I've aged, and as I've chosen to break down 
ideas that were taught to me and look at them very closely and, and observe what is true here and what is not based on my own experience. As I've learned to do that, I've pulled out gems like noticing that the mind is actually much more flippant than emotions, than feeling. I've been blessed to understand more deeply the nature of emotion and that emotion wants to move. It wants to be released. It doesn't want to stay in the body. <laughs> emotion is free. It's very Shakti energy, very ah, like the wind, very movement oriented. That's why somatic therapy is so healing for so many people. Somatic therapies, many different kinds. So to the degree that an emotion is stuck, per se, or that I feel stuck in an emotion, I can recognize, whoa, okay, this wants to move. How can I help this move? How can I consciously help this move? I've, I receive the pleasure every day of working with my emotions, working with my mind, working with my body, understanding, getting to know them, how they are. If you were managing a team and you came in and you were bound and determined to uh, work with three people to not get to know them at all and to work with them how you have been told that they are, or maybe how you have worked with every team you've ever managed before. That wouldn't work well. It may work, but it's not going to be efficient and it's not going to be pleasant, especially over the long run. Why? Because you're not working with those people. You're not working with those three people. You're working with people in your past, you're working with projections from your head, and ultimately you're working with parts of yourself that you're not really willing to look at and face all the way. What does work is getting to know those three people on your team and embracing them fully so that they can be utilized fully. And, and that's something all of us want. We want to feel purposeful. The purpose may be to love myself, it may be to be a mother, it may be to change the world. Whatever purposes you feel come to mind, they're all, they're all meaningful. We, we, we love feeling useful, we love feeling purposeful, because we love creating. And as I've... As I've gotten to know my emotions, my feelings, my body, my, my mind, and I've gotten to understand how they work from a place of from a place of conscious awareness, from a seat that is balanced in the center of my experience as an observer 
of my experience. As I've gotten to know how the different components that help me be more rosy, how they work so that I can work with them better. I've learned so many things about how I was taught to understand these components of what it is to be human were totally wrong, at least for me. At least for me. Some of them were back-ass words for me. And as I have unfolded all of those parts of myself and learned and am still learning to, to love each part of all of them. I let go of shame. I let go of judgment. I let go of fear. I let go of guilt. I let go of resentment and anger. And I find more peace and more joy, more self-confidence, more self-trust. And regardless of who you are, if those aren't things that call to your spirit, well, I would encourage you to look at that. <laughs> and for anyone and everyone who says no hard no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go into that. I totally respect your structure. Probably isn't the podcast for you, and I totally respect your structure. All of my desire to change is funneled inside. And through that, I organically change what is around me. I organically change what I'm experiencing as separate from me. Because at the end of the day, I'm not separate. I'm a part of this. We are all a part of this. Energy flows where attention goes. What we resist persists. Where is your energy going? And what are you resisting? As we devote time, attention, energy to embracing all that we are, this gives us permission to embody a more liberated way of being. <laughs>